Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa It's great to know that you are still around. <laughs> Though we don't know the day of the week, but who cares? <laughs> so, but though you are still around, but I like to talk about why we are still around and what are we doing. This question has come up. Why are we here? I'm just staying here. I don't know what's coming. <laughs> so, so some people have said like that, so... Uh, but I want to highlight the reason why we are here. And I want to talk about transforming poison into medicine. Transforming the three poison into uh, three medicines. So the three poison is a metaphor uh, in Buddhism is greed hatred, and delusion. There are different nuances, different names. So greed might be called craving, clinging, wanting, uh, grasping, clinging. So there are so many words that are going to be used here. So, But if you hear them, I'm just talking about that poison. So we need to actually transform attachment greed into generosity, contentment. That's what we're doing here. And also we want to transform hatred, anger, annoyance, and all its friends like fear. It has so many relatives actually. This poison has so many relatives. <laughs> Anxiety, all these uh, different nuances of, of hatred, ill will. Actually, this means your, your will is ill. That's what it means, basically. So we need to transform that into loving kindness, compassion, appreciative joy, and all these beautiful states of mind. That's what we are doing here. I'm just reminding you, basically. And then also, there's the third poison, which is called delusion or ignorance. So we want to transform that into wisdom and understanding. So that's the reason why we're here. Really, we can even boil down to Maybe two things. We are here to maximize our happiness and minimize our suffering or eliminate it. So we have given you all these techniques. Be mindful, slow down, eat slowly, walk slowly. All those techniques are in this service, actually. How can we transform? all these poison into medicine. What's very interesting is that uh, already science has done some kind of job of transforming venom into medicine. Actually, they can cure many diseases from pain all the way to cancer, extracting venom from uh, from a snake or bees and spiders. So what they do, they take the good part and then they transform it into antivenom. And 
when you are bitten by the snake, so they use the same stuff, actually, which has been transformed. In fact, they keep it in a, a refrigerator. And when you are bitten by the snake, they bring the same stuff and they treat you. So we want to do the same thing when it comes to these uh, mind states. So I would like to talk about these three poisons more, how they arise in our experience here, and uh, how to transform them, and uh, the benefits of transforming them. So let us start with the first one, attachment, or greed, or clinging, or wanting. Since desires last, you can call any names. From evolution point of view, these mind states have served us very well. In fact, that's how we are able to pass on our genes. That's how we are able to reproduce. That's how we can enjoy our food. For that part, there's no problem. But in terms of liberation, sometimes they can get in a way. For an example of uh, clinging, a good example really actually in our day life, maybe not here, is clinging to views, to our ideas. So we we cling on to our idea. This is how things should be. And we don't want to let go of those ideas, those views. I have this experience myself uh, when I, I went to Tibet in 1966. I was so really impressed by Buddhist teachings after doing a retreat in India. I decided to explore more about Tibetan Buddhism, so that led me to go to Tibet. And I had allergies to, to meat, red meat. So on a trip of for five days, I had to really uh, get noodles because I had uh, I had that Tibetans really take a lot of yak meat. So I said, no, it's better I take my own food. So then when I reached the restaurant, I told them, please give me vegetables. Um, I don't take I don't take meat. So, yes, 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 yes. So they went, they prepared food and all that. So all the people I was travel, traveling with, they were Americans. So they gave them food, food with meat, and then I saw a piece of yak inside my food. <laughs> maybe it was a favor. They did a favor to me. Maybe they thought I can't afford it. Then I called the cook, please come here. What's this? I told you, yeah, don't take meat. This is meat. They says, no, it's yak. It's not meat. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> yeah. I've seen so many yaks on four legs. <laughs> so we went back and forth. I said, it's meat. He, say, he continued saying, it's yak. <laughs> so we went back and forth for a while. I said, please take it. <laughs> then... Okay, he, he took it and then, okay, I can prepare you vegetables. You know, in, in Tibet, because of the high mountain, it's very difficult to get vegetables. So then he went to, uh, to prepare another dish with vegetables. So, but there was a window there. I looked inside. He was chopping vegetables on pieces of meat, actually, where... I said, what's going on? I have a very bad allergies actually about meat, red meat. I really swell my eyes and my body. I throw up and I can get sick for almost maybe three days. But this is a man who's chopping vegetables on the table, the same table he used to chop yak. So I was confused actually. So maybe that was my attachment to the idea that it is meat. And other people, the meat is, not, uh, is called yak. So the, he had his attachment to this idea. He didn't want to let go the idea that yak. <laughs> so he thought maybe yak is, is not meat, it's just yak. Actually, uh, I thought actually the Tibetans uh, have got it wrong, actually. So later on, I traveled to Brazil. I spent six months in Brazil. That was 1998, before I came to the States. I spent a year in, in, in South America, but six months was in Brazil. 
So I was in a, a, a very beautiful town and it was time for lunch and I went to ask for food. I looked at the menu, actually there was no dish which was vegetarian dish. So it, all, all it was meat and meat. But I saw somewhere beans, I said, yes. Finally I got, I got it. So I, I ordered beans. Can I have beans? They said, yes, yes. So I sat down quietly. waiting for my food. <laughs> there the, the Brazilian brought me beans. And then, as I was eating, I saw a big chunk. <laughs> this, this is not beans. <laughs> Again, I called the cook. <laughs> I told her, don't take meat. He said, no, it's not meat, it's pork. Talk about attachment to ideas. <laughs> okay, I said, please, uh, can you remove this piece of me? Uh, can, I mean, can you take it and prepare me on the beans? He said, yes, yes, I can. So he, put, he brought a spoon and just tossed. <laughs> okay, you can take. That's how fat goes to attach to ideas. Really, I had to let go the idea that actually uh, pork. <laughs> Myself, I had to go the, uh, to, to let go these ideas. So the next time when I travel, I really make sure that I go in the kitchen and see what's going on. <laughs> People have different ideas. So how many ideas do you have in your relationships, in your day life, when you deal with your coworkers, spouses, um, different people we deal with? And we have our idea, and we attach to this idea, and we don't want to let go. In fact, many relationships have been broken because of uh, this uh, pork yak business. <laughs> <laughs> Darling, I told you not to put a toothbrush here. <laughs> no, it should be here. <laughs> Actually, it happened to monks. <laughs> I tell you, I was in Bhavana society, and uh, venerable, uh, I said venerable, okay, I don't want to record. <laughs> so it was about how to, <laughs> we are three monks there, actually, in the monastery. <laughs> so this is something to douse the fire, uh, it can so one monk did like this. Uh, no, the first monk did like this. <laughs> Tried to blow like this. I said, no, this is not very good. You throw your saliva there and the people are going to see it. It's not good for a monk. <laughs> so that was his idea. Then I said, no, the best way to do it is like actually doing like this and deprive the oxygen like this. So that was my idea. Another monk said, no, you should actually dip it inside like this. <laughs> then... There was a lame man there who said, no, no, no. You have to do it mindfully. <laughs> Lift it like this. Four ideas in a row. And all of us, we think we are right. And nobody was willing to let go this idea. Just blow a candle. Who cares? <laughs> Watch clinging to ideas. Really, actually, it's... Okay, so in meditation, let us come to meditation. So we have some desire. Desire arises in meditation. We need to transform that. Just to help you to identify some of the desires that happen in meditation, one of them is itching, desire to scratch and itch. As a matter of fact, when Larry was talking about an itch, I had one here. <laughs> For some reason, because I'm bundled like this, and I was sweating, it was an itch here. I was talking about itch. There was some desire to scratch it. And I have some guidelines. I went through that itch. And I would like to offer ideas... If it is in a 
desire, intensive desire, to scratch and eat, watch your desire. And then it rises and passes away. And then they say, come on, scratch it. This is not the end of the world. <laughs> I mean, if there's an, an attempt to reach out for it, I think be mindful of actually lifting as you are going like this. And then scratch it only when it's life-threatening. <laughs> I found out it was not life-threatening, actually. So what I did, I sat with it. So this desire actually arises. Desire to look. There's another desire that arises, actually. Desire to look around. When you're walking, you look around, your fellow yogi is walking. There's that intensive, that burning desire, actually, to look around, to see what the other yogi is doing. Actually, when I do retreats also, sometimes I want to look around a little bit, uh, especially when I go to a new place. Uh, basically, bumper stickers, actually, because I like to read the bumper stickers. So when I pass in the, <laughs> the, there the cars, I want to read whether there's this bumper sticker has some kind of Dharma message for me. Uh, such things like it's better with meta. Uh, these things, I get, it for, I get them from bumper stickers. <laughs> <laughs> but if there's a desire to look at a person this is what I've decided I just found out actually I'm not going to look at a person who has eight legs a person is always having two legs one, two eyes so if there's any temptation that arises I say nothing special because anyway a human being has two eyes why do I rush to look at somebody who is going to have two eyes and one mouth and <laughs> two legs <laughs> Two arms, and I just say nothing special. When I'm on a retreat, that's what I do. But of course, if I have to look, then I, become, I have to watch seeing, seeing, become a way of seeing. There are many, actually, uh, kinds of uh, craving, like we cling to self-identity, clinging to rites and rituals. This is what the, the Buddha talked about, uh, uh, about clinging, we cling on essential pleasures, of course, wrong views, uh, even a craving for existence, craving for non-existence, those people who desire to take their life. All those actually are different forms of craving that actually we need to transform them into medicine. I'm, 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 going, I'm going to tell you how to do that. Then, there's a big question here. Isn't the desire to meditate another form of desire? Okay, desire to start a meditation center, desire to attain Nibbana. You Buddhists, you talk about desires. What about desire to actually uh, attain the final goal? Desire to change, to turn uh, poison into medicine. Is that not another form of desire? Do you have that question? Okay. There are three kinds of desire. The first one, is, I, I'm going to give you Pali words in case you want. So there's one we, which we call Kama Chanda. Kama Chanda. Kama means senses, sense. And Chanda means uh, approval, desire. Um, so if you put the two, is appro- approving the sensual world, world, like seeing, hearing, and you approve it, and you get so much hooked, and you get a kind of a nice kick out of that uh, with the desire to see, and then you always get attached to seeing, hearing, and all that. So that can get in a way in terms of uh, on a path to liberation, and it can. that's what the Buddha actually called hindrance. So in other words, that's a desire to be desireful. So desire to be desireful is actually one form of desire. But also there's a neutral kind of desire which is simply called chanda, which is a wish to do, uh, it's ethically immoral, uh, not, uh, uh, it's not actually a bad, uh, because it's a wish, wish to do, it's a willingness to do something, so that's called chanda. That's no problem, it's kind of neutral, ethically neutral, it's not uh, like immoral. So there's also another kind of desire, which is called dharma chanda, desire to practice the dharma. So that's desire to be desireless. <laughs> ah, you got it. Desire to be desireless. It's like when you have a, a glass broken and uh, maybe you step on it and then you, have, you bring a tweezer to get it out. 
So you are using a new thorn to get out old thorn. So we use that kind of desire, damachanda, eh, kind of wholesome desire, to get rid of other desires. And finally, when you attain enlightenment, all form of desires should be let go. Even damachanda actually can get in a way for final liberation. That's why I gave you the benefit of metta that the Buddha said, the benefit of metta, the 11th one I told you, is that if you don't attain final liberation, you go to Brahma world, where we are all the same sex and there's no gender issues. You remember? <laughs> but why can't we attain enlightenment when we are practicing metta? Because of Dharma Raga. Eh? Raga means growing. So even attachment to Dharma can actually, may not lead us to final liberation. Final liberation. It can lead us to some kind of liberation, first, second, and, and the third. But if you are really clinging on even to Dharma itself, then actually it can, be, it can get in a way. But we need that form of attachment to Dharma. Oh, I want to come to POC. You are hooked. Dharma Chanda. <laughs> but it's not that terrible compared to the, to the other kind of uh, desire to be desireful. Okay, so don't feel bad when you have desire to come and meditate, desire to attain final enlightenment. It's a kind of, okay, wholesome desire. So now we know that actually uh, some desire to practice the Dharma, it's not a hindrance but actually it provides us fuel to continue on the path. Let's go to the second poison. It's called aversion, hatred, and its function is to burn its support. It burns the body and mind. So when you have aversion, anger, hatred, it will slowly, slowly really uh, burn you. There's so many desires. I mean, sorry, uh, there's so many. Actually, that's also a form of desire to push away things, actually, because desire is bipolar. One is to get, another one is push away. So, in fact, hatred and aversion is desire to push away things. I don't want this pain. I don't want this uh, sadness. I don't want this. Then we get this kind of aversion. So, sometimes desire is actually uh, directed towards others then we become aggressive and oppressive when it's directed towards others. When it's directed towards yourself, then uh, you have this kind of uh, remorse and guilty about things that you've done, regret and all that, self-pity. So that's anger directed towards yourself. Whether you, it's directed towards yourself or others, still it's a poison. I mean, it's a poison, actually, because it doesn't make you happy. Uh, sooner or later you find you are not happy. So you, you are good meditators, you don't have maybe hatred, but sometimes also it can come here in, in, when you are meditating. Sometimes when you have a lot of pain, well, pain, oh, it's not going away, ah, then you say, oh, everybody's meditating very well except me. Then you start hating your pain. Uh, and then you, you start uh, uh, looking around. If there's another cushion, you bring another one, put it here. <laughs> and then another one, then pain comes, then you bring uh, spirit rock. These cushions are very hard. <laughs> Nothing is... <laughs> I have pain because of the cushion. And then uh, before you know where you are, you want to, look, to go to a chair maybe and change your posture. So then you do it very fast. And then you go to the other position, maybe sit in a chair. So there you are, you are cultivating three mind states, three poisons in that moment. One, you hate the old posture. That's a poison of aversion. Then you are desiring for a new posture there. Oh, yes, that will do the job. I won't have pain there. <laughs> now there's a third poison you are cultivating. You are deluded that actually that new, new posture will bring you everlasting happiness. No way. <laughs> new posture pain is not obvious. It's there, but it's not obvious. Yeah, so you see how we cultivate these three mind states without even knowing? Yeah, I mean, it's just a simple idea of changing your posture. What's the big deal? 
After all, be good to yourself. Eh? So, uh, so be careful actually to watch these mind states. In fact, that's what we are doing here because when we are here, we have a lot of chance actually to watch what's going on. In day life, we are driving and we have a little bit of pain. We just do like this. We put on music, we munch, we munch on something, keep on eating something. So we actually keep on jabbing pain in our day life and dodging it. Here we have plenty of time. You have no schedule to keep. Food is ready for you and all that. So you have all the time to look at pain. (laughs) 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 And spend quality time. (laughs) And don't hate your pain. There's a way of turning that, just understand pain, and then it will go away. And whether pain goes away or not, that's another, uh, another thing, you know. So the idea is to understand it and it will go away. There is another hatred that we might have, some kind of aversion. In fact, that's why we tell you to close your eyes when you're meditating, is looking at each other's hairdo. <laughs> no. It can trigger a lot of aversion. <laughs> Even a t-shirt, actually. A t-shirt somebody is putting on, if it has not a very good caption, <laughs> then it can trigger aversion. So, I mean, it's amazing what happens in, your, in the mind when you come to meditate. I don't know about you. <laughs> Are you do you experience these things, by the way? Or I'm just creating this thing. <laughs> It's just amazing what the mind can come up with when it quietens down. So watch out and see what's happening, what's come up for you. That's why we are here to watch. People ask me, why are we here? When you, you focus on your mind, you are going to see a lot of stuff. Delusion, it's another um, poison. This ignorance, you are ignoring, that's what it means. You are ignoring the truth. The function uh, of ignorance, of course, is to delude. Eh? It, uh, there are even two major functions. One is a negative function. First, it conceals the true nature of things so that you can't see them. In other words, you can't see the changes, you can't see impermanence nature of things, you can't see the unsatisfactory nature, selfless nature of the experience. So you can't see the impersonal process of your experience. So another is actually more of a positive role where actually you manage to see it, but you see it quite the opposite. Yeah, so uh, for instance, uh, um, instead of seeing things as impermanent, impermanent, you see them as permanent. Instead of seeing something as suffering, you see it as pleasurable. The same with uh, non-self. Instead of seeing things as selfless, you see it as uh, they have a self. Let's say when you have pain, you say, my leg is painful. That's already delusion embedded in that statement. I, or my leg, is painful. Or I am sad. I am <laughs> is an addition. I is an addition. am an, another addition and sad, sadness. So that's why you even become more sad when you say, I am (laughs) sad. You become even more sad because they're putting a lot of stuff which is not there. You are deluded, basically. What's happening is actually sadness is a mind state that's arising. It's a mind state, but we take it to be solid. We solidify it. I'm sad because of this, because of this. Then we solidify it as if it's just like a cup of tea like this. It looks solid, but actually it's a mind state that comes due to causes and conditions. How to transform poison into medicine? There are some few techniques that I'm going to offer you. Um, The Buddha offered 
three ways how to we can transform not only these three poisons into medicine, but actually how we can transform our life. It's a kind of a paradigm shift, how we can transform. The invitation is to look at life in three angles so that we have a realistic look at the poison at our life in three angles. Most of the time we look at our life and even these three poisons in only one angle. And these three are, one is, the Pali word is asada, that means gratification. Another one is called the <clears throat> adinava, that's a danger. Another one is called nisarana, that's freedom. So we need to look at life in, in those three angles. It's a kind of uh, curriculum. <laughs> it's like first year you have to take the, the, the first angle, and the second year, the second and the third year, the, uh, the, the third uh, angle. But most of the time, people are just in the first year, they don't want to graduate. They just look at life only in one angle, which is that of enjoyment. Even difficult mind states, we tend to enjoy them, <laughs> which is a kind of a very difficult thing even to understand. Of course, according to the Buddha, uh, he said that, okay, yes, when greed arises, you gain happiness. There's happiness you get actually in sensual desires. He didn't say that there's no happiness. When you have a nice food, good family, uh, when you have attachment, physical happiness, uh, there's a lot of happiness even uh, we experience when we see something attractive. And also there's happiness of letting go, happiness of you get without having dates and even uh, bl uh, when you are uh, nobody to blame you and all this, you feel some kind of happiness. That's only one angle of looking at things. Most of the time people will look at one angle. It's like as we human beings, we look only here. We don't see what's at the back. So the invitation the Buddha is giving is look at the other angle also. And look also another angle, so that, uh, which is like kind of a blind spot. <laughs> so we have to look at things in these three angles. One is that of enjoyment. Okay, there's enjoyment. When we have some kind of uh, uh, desire, we have a good meal. There's no, nothing wrong about that. You enjoy it, that's fine. But the problem is just stopping there and think that's the end of the world and you get hooked. So we need to look at the other angle and go to the second year <laughs> and then you look at another angle which is called Adinava, which is the danger, the degradation, the defilement, how actually when you have this poison, they defile your mind, they degrade you, especially let's say you get angry. And then people who used to love you, they start actually distancing you. What, is, what this mind state is doing is actually has degraded you. Because all people, uh, they don't feel easy with you whenever you come. Oh, there he comes, or where, there she comes. So you lose status, in other words. So the Buddha has, uh, invited us to look at this mind state in that angle, even life in that angle. That, okay, these things are enjoyable, but they, they bring some kind of Sato, 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 little, little, uh, unsatisfactoriness. Before I studied this, uh, and before I became a monk, I remember when I was in India, I had a desire to see snow. I had never seen snow, it's, uh, it's only in a refrigerator. <laughs> so, in Africa, as you know, you, to see snow, you have to go Mount Renzor or Ngorongoro, up there. So, but anyway, we had a fridge and a refrigerator and then they put there and I saw the cubes. I'm telling you, I was so amazed how water turned into cubes. Uh, so I was fascinated and I <laughs> started chewing on them. And so anyway, that's my snow only in Uganda. So then I went to India. I read the newspaper. They said, oh, there is a snowfall. I said, what is snowfall? You mean snow is falling? Falling? They say, yes, you can see it. 
So I took a bus and went, and almost eight hours, I think, by bus. And I had to save money because I was a student there, so I, I, I saved my money to do this journey, just to see snow. And it was very little money. I had a scholarship, but it was very little money. So I, but I, I saved it to satisfy my desires. So I went to Himalayas, and uh, there was a place called Shimla, and I saw this, all these places covered with snow, and there were just little fluffy things falling. I, I even bought a, a camera and I just take pictures. <laughs> I got out of bus, and then uh, that time I was not a monk, so I was so fascinated with snow. And uh, every time the flaps, the fluffy things were falling, I would open my jacket; they fall inside. <laughs> <laughs> and even I removed the gloves. <laughs> I had gone with the gloves, but I said, "No, forget about it." So, because it was sunny. So I just kept on with, uh, taking pictures with, without gloves. Ta, ta, ta. I'm telling you, I mean, snow in the boots, snow here, everywhere. The Indians were looking at this crazy African. <laughs> <laughs> Not too long. <laughs> I was in this incredible pain. I don't know how even I dropped the camera because I could not even touch the camera. <laughs> These are, are the immediate results of my desire. <laughs> but we don't see that in other areas of life. Until you, we are hit with such an experience, then I know, oh, that's a connection between <laughs> desire to see snow and the pain. So it's like buy one, you get one free. <laughs> It was a rude awakening, I'm telling you. It was so painful. But when I came to Buddhism, and then the Buddha was telling, hey, don't look only at an angle of taking pictures. <laughs> there is a little bit of discomfort somewhere, and you shouldn't blame anybody. It's exactly what you're creating yourself. So that's what we call Adinava. That means see also the danger. Look at that angle, not just only side-blinded side blinded like this only in the tram line, but look at also the angle of your experience. There's also another third angle, which actually we don't want to go there, and exactly what we, that's what we're doing. That's our freedom. Freedom is another, the third angle. In Pali, it's called nisarana. That means freedom, liberation. That means we let go. We don't cling. We don't cling on even to negative experience, difficult emotions. Okay, you say you're sad, but check yourself, are you clinging on to that mental state? And it's that clinging, clinging that you have grief and sadness is what is keeping it there. So what if you actually practice mindfulness, investigation, and seeing it, the danger of really creating more sadness for yourself and try to let it go? I think this is a very interesting invitation. This is a very interesting invitation. <clears throat> Just for fun, whenever desire arises, I'd like to check you to check your body, how tension arises, which was not there in the first place. And also, sometimes we need something, but just for the feeling of it, for the feeling of pleasure, but not the object. So we need to investigate. And also investigate when you get something. When you get something, uh, find out what you envision, envisioned happiness. Is that... Something bring that actual envisioned happiness? So just check. But also even if anything brings the happiness that you envisioned, how long does it last? And sometimes the object change. Let's say your new car, it can change color. It can get a little bit of scratch. Your new dress can <laughs> get a little bit of a hole, you know? <laughs> so there you are, you're frustrated. So these are little, little pointers that actually it's not all pleasant. There are some kind of bonus you get along with your desire, your aversion, your delusion. And we, we have to pay the price. You shouldn't blame others. <laughs> Sometimes when we have anger, we blame others. You, you, you did this to me. <laughs> I, actually, it's very interesting. I've never seen somebody who say it's because of me that I, I'm angry. Always it's other people. 
are the situation and all that. Yet we are, we, we, we are part of that also equation too. It's always good to find out also how you are playing uh, some part in the equation. We've seen um, gratification, that's one angle. Second angle, danger, de defilement, and degradation. This poison degrade you. And also I've seen letting go, freedom. You can always be free. Freedom is always available. It's up to you to let it go. Okay, there's another way of dealing with these uh, defilements, uh, this uh, poison that uh, can help you to turn, actually, is the mindfulness practice. Mindfulness practice, actually, is a very powerful practice. So we, we say that, okay, be mindful of the breath, and also mindfulness in our daily life is uh, similar to carefulness. So we take it for granted, the power of mindfulness. Actually, it's very, very powerful to turn um, poison into medicine. Have you heard about this, uh, uh, what's called the poison paradox, PP? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a paradox. It's the same object, let's say greed or hatred, that if we are unmindful, it becomes a bondage. It becomes suffering. So, like let's say greed or aversion or sadness or grief or sorrow, whatever it is. If we are unmindful, then it increases. We suffer more. It starts like a little bit like this, then you're unmindful, then another layer, another layer. Then before you are, you know where you are, you are depressed. Depression. <laughs> it means you are deep pressed. <laughs> Whom are you to blame? <laughs> it's because you are not mindful. That's how things happen. But what is a paradox is that the same object, if you are mindful, then it becomes the object of meditation. And then there's freedom. There's liberation. There's letting go. Do you get? <laughs> it's the same object. We haven't changed the object, but the diff it means that mindfulness can make can make can make a difference between being free and being in a bondage, and the choice is yours. So that's what we call poison paradox, PP. So <laughs> watch that, <laughs> and that's why teachers give you instruction. Okay, you tell them I have anger, I have pain. Did you watch it? Oh, I have sadness and, and aversion. Be mindful of it. But still, when we give this instruction, people say, do you mean to be mindful of it? So they're kind, they're kind of looking for a quick fix, kind of microwave approach eh, to microwave their anger, their sadness, <laughs> put it in the microwave. Okay, <laughs> no sadness. No, there's a process how to turn poison into uh, medicine and if we are mindful we can do that we can investigate as you get the, the you got the instruction today we can uh, we can investigate uh, using mindfulness the investigation aspect of mindfulness and then uh, actually slowly by slowly these defilements can lose grip slowly by slowly they lose grip Another thing which is very helpful is called the substitution method. So you substitute, uh, let's say if you have uh, greed, you substitute it with loving, uh, I mean generosity and contentment. So actually, this is a very powerful practice of substitution. And if you have hatred, you substitute it with loving kindness and delusion with uh, wisdom. Another thing that can be also very helpful is actually redirecting your mind uh, to the body, let's say if you have aversion and the, 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 the desire is raging, you can always come back to the body, actually. The body is by feedback, and it helps you to get grounded, and uh, the body is just the body in the present moment. Because the very fact that you are lost in your desire or hatred or sadness, 
uh, or difficult emotion is that you don't have enough mindfulness. But when we come to the body, actually we can, uh, we can <coughs> kind of uh, be aware of the body and then we, we have more mindfulness because it's present here. You see it here. And then you can feel the touch. So be mindful of the touch, the, the, the sitting, the tension, and every touch point. And then you can work your way through uh, an emotion. And then you can uh, uh, let go of that emotion. Another thing that can be very helpful is to find out, work backwards, why am I always angry? And then you say, oh, maybe because... Uh, I have some attachment to certain views. You see, you remember the yak and meat uh, business? That could trigger a, a blow, actually. <laughs> really, I've seen people fighting over, uh, you, you're a pig, I'm not a pig, you're a pig, I'm not a pig. Pooh! They hit each other, actually, I've seen. Yeah, I've, I've seen this happening. So uh, try to find out, are you attached to certain to things uh, uh, there's some kind of attachment, actually, because anger is the frustrated desires. So if you have a lot of anger or aversion, you trace it backwards. It might be that you're attached to something, to an idea or something. And if you, you can, I mean, you can even take it further. Maybe uh, why are you attached to a certain idea? Maybe you are ignoring certain things. So that can also be very helpful. Friends, there's some benefits. Uh, lastly, I want to talk about uh, the fringe benefits, the bonus that you get when you transform poison into uh, medicine. One, you attain final liberation. Actually, that's the highest goal that you can attain. Attain, you gain happiness. But I would like to go over some bonus along the way if you manage to transform um, poison into uh, medicine. One is actually you will not have sorrow and all its relatives like sorrow, grief, sadness. When you have generosity, actually uh, you won't have this, uh, this uh, kind of problem. Because this mental state is called non-attachment. So if you join, let's say, uh, uh, let's say when you are separated with somebody whom you love, if you don't have this attachment, you are not going to have this grief. There's so many people going into transition with relationship and they suffer a lot. But if you can remember this, that, okay, let me practice non-attachment and then you're not going to have sorrow and sadness. So then people are going to go away in your life and many people are going to come. So there's no many, there are many fishes in the lake or in the ocean. <laughs> so there's no need really to get uh, to suffer, causing unnecessary suffering to yourself. Another one, uh, another benefit, these are bonus actually, before you even attain enlightenment. You'll be healthy uh, when you have, uh, uh, have non-attachment because when you, are you have a lot of attachment, then when it comes to taking food, you just only take food what you are attracted to, not suitable food. You don't take suitable food. In fact, I've seen somebody say, yes, it's not good for my health, but I'll take it anyway. <laughs> So, but if you have actually non-attachment, you actually choose the right food for you, which is suitable. And also, of course, wealthy. You'll be wealthy and you'll have abundance. Because when you give, you get. That's, very, that's a love life. So, uh, regarding transforming non-hatred non to meta-loving kindness, uh, of course, there are some fringe benefits also here. You'll be young. You'll be youthful. You'll not have wrinkles. and uh, Because... The, I've told you the function of anger or aversion is to burn. So when you're burned at early stage, so then you grow older, faster. It will accelerate your aging. So now you can throw away your uh, uh, wrinkle-free creams and all that. You can forget about them, practice metal loving kindness, and you all, you'll be fine, actually. So you can also develop many friends when you have metta, loving kindness. Uh, that's about the fringe benefits of practicing metta, loving kindness. And the, the one I've told you, the 11 benefits I've already told you. Then non-delusion, actually, you won't have sorrow. And also you, you have a longer life because you know the difference between what's desirable and undesirable. 
Friends, um, we have covered a lot of ground. <laughs> a lot of ground. <laughs> so if you remember one thing from my talk, <laughs> no, meat and, and yak. <laughs> There's a difference. Don't get attached. <laughs> okay. Okay, remember one thing. To transform greed to and, uh, generosity, transform uh, hatred to loving kindness, transform delusion to wisdom and understanding. Let us sit for a moment or two. to transform from greed to generosity, from hatred to meta-loving kindness and compassion, delusion to wisdom and understanding. May we be able to turn these three poisons into three medicine. May we be able to attain enlightenment. Thank you for your attention. I offer this for your reflection. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.